Hey guys, and welcome to Growing Pains Podcast. Here on Growing Pains, we strive to inspire and empower by using the Word of God as our foundation. We desire to have real conversations about real struggles and offer real and practical solutions on how we can grow from that. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Growing Pains. Hey, 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 guys, it is time for another episode of Growing Pains. If this is your first time joining us and listening to us, I'm so excited. Thank you for uh, just taking time out of day to just check us out. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much again for continuing on this journey with us. We have talked about some things that hopefully have inspired you, have encouraged you and uplifted you to just think about some things differently. Right. Um, and so, and that's what we want to do here. We want to do that at growing pains. So let's dig right into what we're going to be talking about. Um, I want to go to the old Testament book of second Samuel. And I'm going to be honest with you right now, first and second Samuel are my two favorite books. And I guess they're because there's so much there. There is really so much there. So we're going to go into second Samuel chapter nine and we're going to begin at verse one. Second Samuel chapter nine, verse one reads like this. One day, David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If there is, I would like to show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. For there was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba, and he was told to go to David. Are you Ziba? David asked. At your service, Ziba answered. Then David asked him, is there anyone left in Saul's family who I can show loyalty and kindness as I promised God I would? And Ziba answered, there is still one of Jonathan's sons, but he is crippled. Where is he? The king asked at the home of Makir, son of Amiel and Lodabar, Ziba answered. So the king sent for him when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul arrived. He bowed down before David in respect. David said Mephibosheth and he answered at your service, sir. Don't be afraid. David replied, I will be kind to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will give back all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always be welcome at my table. So I know my previous episodes have, you know, I give a title, I give three points and you know, that's, I, I'm kind of want to go a different direction. I just want to have a conversation today just about Jonathan, Saul and David. Okay, and that's I, I, I really if I could, I could just title just title this the cost of honor, um, because David really does honor both Saul and Jonathan. Um, and so that's that's what I guess I would talk about today, the cost of honor um, and what that looks like. And so I, I just I just yeah, I just want to have a conversation. So. There are a lot of things that we can say about David, right? Um, For some of us, David is our childhood hero. Um, We learn about David's singing capability. We learn about his musician skill. We learn about his military record. We learn about all these great attributes and characteristics of, you know, of, of who David is. But depending on 
where we read in the scripture, uh, some of David's actions and some of his doings, as you know, might be problematic for us, uh, depending on where we begin to read. And that that's somehow very similar to us. Some of us may have done some things in our childhood. Some of us may have done some things even in our adulthood. And based off of that season of our life, people that we were around in that season might have a different perspective about us then, than you know, than what, than what they would have now. And that, that could be, that could be kind of tough if we think about it. And I guess that is based off of, I guess that's just the interesting part about life is that we're always growing. We're always evolving, even though we hadn't gotten all the answers yet, but we still evolving. We're still trying to get, get this thing right. And so, although David is this great King, we got to look at the context here. Um, David's children might not say, yeah, he was a, you know, he was a great father. He might've been a good King to y'all, but he was a horrible father to us. You know, that, that could be his children's perspective or let, let's look at Uriah. Uriah is the husband was the husband of Bathsheba and his perspective of David could definitely be weird. I mean, he took his wife and then had him killed, took his wife, got her pregnant and then had her, had him killed. So all of that could be weird, but the truth of the matter is, and I want to have, I just kind of want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. Why do we still, after knowing what we know about David, why do we still quote the 23rd Psalm when he murdered another woman's husband? Why do we do that? Why do we quote the 23rd? And y'all know the Lord is my shepherd. Y'all know that. Y'all know we love the song. And truth of the matter is, He's a murderer. He's an adulterer. Why do we still tell the story of David and Goliath? Why do we still name our sons David? And one thing that we could learn is that if you know anything about history, you'll realize that it's not based off of what happened, but who tells it. Because you know, different people can have a different perspective as we're talking about, about the same thing. And God wrote David's story after everything we know about him, about all of his shortcomings, about his anger issues, his sexual perversions. God still calls him a man after his own heart. And I don't know who this is for, but there's somebody who's listening and you walk around with all this guilt, all this shame, all this self pity because of the sins and the mistakes of your past. And I want you to get up and be delivered from your own guilt because God writes your story. If God wanted you to die in those sins, you would not be here. 
And so if you repent and you go to God and ask for forgiveness, then you are forgiven. You're forgiven. There's no more shame. There's no more feeling sorry for yourself. There's no more feeling like you don't deserve anything better. No more living every day like God is mad at you. No, because God is a God of forgiveness and of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And so I don't want you to continue to live in this doubt, to continue to live in this in this shame, in this pity because you feel you feel bad for the mistakes of everybody in the scripture were flawed. Moses, Abraham, all of them. All of them. And so I don't know who I just don't know who that was for, but it might have been for somebody who just you can't accept anything better because of the sins of your childhood, the sins of yesterday, the sin, whatever. No, we are. If you go to God and ask for forgiveness, that is a thing. Okay. That is the first step of reconciliation with God. And see, I'm not talking about the people who, uh, go to God and just act, you know, you know, you're about to sin and you go because you can go ask for forgiveness. You go and sin and then no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who have been jailed by your own conscience. And sometimes you feel like you don't deserve anything good because there's always this memory that's hovering over you. And that, no, that, that, no, that's God didn't operate like that. And I just want to break all of that glass. I just, I, I just want to break in all of that and let you know, we are all an X something. We, we all used to be a something. We all have some, I remember when, and then, you know, we, we got, we have all of that. And the next time somebody brings up what you've done, you let them know, I'm not going to let you guilt me. I've been forgiven for that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you bring me down over something that I know I did. I've gone through the process of healing. I've gone through the process of uh, reconciliation back to no, I'm on a different level. You say what you want, but I care about what God says about me. I care about what God says about me. And that that's David's story. God calls David a man after his own heart. After all David did. So let's talk about it. He's a warrior. He's a psalmist. He's a dancer. He's a worshiper. God doesn't say that he is a man after his own hand because that would speak of his fighting ability. Right. And although he was a good fighter, we can put other people up against that like Samson. So God says that he is a man after his own heart. What does that look like? What does that look like? I would like to submit as we just, you know, have this conversation that some of us are found in these spaces of frustration because we don't like the part of us that looks mostly like God. 
I'm going to say that again. I would like to submit just a suggestion that some of us are upset and we get frustrated with the part of us that looks mostly like God. What does that mean? Now, you know, you're not that patient on a regular basis. But for some reason. You have been urged and pushed to keep putting up with that one family member, that one friend that keeps doing the same thing over and over and over. It might be with your children. I mean, not your children. It might be with your husband. It might be when you know things are not God. I'm telling you, it might be with your children. It might be with your husband. It might be with family members. It might be with friends. Somehow you find yourself being extra patient when you're not normally that patient. I believe that's God. That's the God in you. I do. Because normally you're not that patient and patient might not be yours. Patience might not, they might not be your vein. Um, for some, it might be giving people your last. That's a reflection of God. That sacrifice and giving unto others, even when you don't have any more, that is a reflection of God. Here's another one. How about when you forgive people over and over and over? And we can all say that we all can use um, a, a little extra dose of forgiveness every day. Every single day. So that one is definitely like God. Even when they don't know how to ask or if they don't know to ask or seek it. Now, that's a big one. Forgiving people when they don't know to ask or even seek it. And so let's lay some framework for our scripture today. Um, And we like to romanticize this story, but according to. Scripture as David was being selected to be king, he wasn't even in the house when the prophet Samuel went to look for a king. And y'all remember the story? We kind of we actually did a lesson on this not too long ago um, about Saul and David and how Saul was rejected as king and God sent Samuel to Jesse's house and Jesse's son, bro, he brought out all of his sons and Samuel went one by one and God was like, no, this isn't, this is, this is not who I want. And Samuel was like, is this all of your sons? Are these all the sons you have? And so a lot of times when I'm reading the scripture, something will just tell me I just I have to ask a lot of questions in order for me to get it and I just I just go digging so and and that's that's one of the things that got me that's one of the things that pulled me where was David and why wasn't he included or even considered when the prophet was talking about selecting a king or even going to consider looking for the king 
Why was David outside when the other sons were inside? Like what's going on between David and his father? And some of us should find comfort that you are chosen not because of your family, not because of your friends. Some of us should find some type of comfort. I know I do uh, because God chose us and not our family, because if it was based off of our family, if it was based off of our friends, if it was based off of DNA and the people that we've been a part of and the design of our background that we came from, some of us would not be where we are today. Some of us would not be in those spaces that we've been in. And not all of us came from money and we don't we don't shoot that down. We we honor that we're good. We're glad that people, you know, leave an inheritance. That's that's not a bad thing. However, some of us have a different type of story. Some of us have a different experience. Some of us have a different testimony that. We are where we are in life and you are where you are in life, not because you work so hard, because you've made some mistakes along the way, but because God chose you and he chose you even when you didn't know to choose him. And so in this scripture, I wanted to know why isn't David even considered? Why is he outside? And I just felt like that was a weird dynamic to not be included when, you know, when he's looking, but then he turned around and was chosen. He wasn't included. He wasn't considered. He wasn't even brought in as a candidate, but then God turns around and chooses him. And so David is chosen to be the replacement of Saul, but it's not time for Saul to be removed. Although he is anointed, it's not his time. I'm going to say that for somebody who is about to walk into this next season of your life and it may look like a succession plan. It is okay to be chosen and it not be your time yet. You can be anointed and still not be ready. So what does David do in the meantime? He does what he's called to do. He's called to serve Saul, the one he is replacing. (laughs) And that's why we have to be careful to show honor even in our not yet time. We have to be careful to show honor when it's not our season yet. And so here he is, he's serving Saul. And at this point, God's uh, God's spirit or God rejects Saul as king. Right. And so now there's this spirit that torments Saul. And so Saul um, has these servants who's like, Master, why don't we go get a musician who can play this spirit out of you? We need somebody who's skilled. And so they say, well, Jesse has a son. And y'all know who he's talking about. He's talking about, they're talking about David. And so now he's chosen to be king 
But then God presents opportunity for him to go into the king's court. He's replacing him. Saul doesn't know yet, but he's replacing him. But he's going into the king's court to serve. And that's where some of us go wrong. When we get the opportunity, we want to go in and start changing stuff. We want to go in and be weird. We can't. And, and that, no, David didn't do that. David went in and served him, even though he knew he was replacing him. Even though he knew that he was replacing him. And even as the story goes on, there's even a point where Saul tries to kill David. And this is after he found finds out that David is about to be his replacement. There's a point where Saul even tries to kill David, but David continues to serve. Let's be clear. Some of you are in situations or can Think about situations where you could have fought and you could have slain mud, but you didn't. Not because you couldn't, but because you took the higher ground. And it's been eating some of you up all this time because you just think about what you could have done, what you could have said, what you No, God sees you and he saw you. And he knows what you could have done. It doesn't take a strong person to get even. That's easy. It takes a strong person to have enough information to ruin an entire life, but restrain. It takes a strong person to have enough screenshots, to have enough text messages, to have enough pictures, but to decide to delete them. That's strong. David did not do what he could have done. He served him. And as the story goes on, we find out that David and Jonathan become really good friends. And in this season, I just I just want to stop and just thank God for good friends. I mean, those friends that you never have to worry about, those friends that you never have to, you know, turn, look over your shoulder with. No, I mean, good, true friendship because that's not a thing these days especially on facebook and social media because the normally the temperature changes when we begin to talk about friendship because in this season of our of everybody's life nobody has a friend seemingly Everybody's jealous. Everybody's a hater. Can't nobody stand to see you come up and all this other stuff. Yeah, no, 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 no. Everybody is not a hater. And at some point, if you've ever tried to be a friend to somebody and they turn around and then they're a hater, I'm talking about everybody. Everybody's a hater. It just might not be them. You mean to tell me every new job that you start, there's a problem with people? Every new church you go to, there's something wrong with them? Every city, different people, different names, <laughs> there's something wrong with everybody? See, maybe some of us don't have friends because we don't know how to be one. 
And some of our ideas of a friend is someone that's going to hype us up, do what we say, do always agree when in fact, sometimes we can be wrong. People who we always want to show up and celebrate us, but then we never go and celebrate them. And see what we do is we, we walk in rooms. I've seen it. We walk in rooms and our attitude is messed up. Our arms are folded. We don't talk to anybody. And then we go over to this little corner in the, in the room, in the church, and we be secluded in that corner, but then leave and say, didn't nobody talk to me when you didn't present yourself as somebody who wanted to be talked to. Yeah, we do that. And then we say, uh, See, that's why I don't fool with nobody. And maybe it's that people don't fool with you. That was my little pastoral piece. Okay, moving on. Anyway, so as we move into this focused scripture of 2 Samuel, I just want to lay some framework of how David got there. How, how did David get to the point of honoring Mephibosheth? Well, first, let's go back to the friendship of David and Jonathan. They became so close, even to the point where Saul wanted to kill him and David would know about it. And because he was loyal to David, David knew about all those attacks on his life through Jonathan. So Jonathan warned him. And I just want to that that's an important role of a friend. Your friend should not see you going down a road or see you being in danger and they say, well, that's none of my business. What? You see I'm about to go off this bridge and that's none of your business. And I need friends around me that will love me enough to warn me. I don't want my friends seeing me do dumb stuff and letting me take myself down a dangerous road and they're not saying anything. They're, well, that's none of my business. I'm going to let them do what they, I'm going to let him do what he wanted. I, I need some friends that are going to hold me accountable. That are going to hold me accountable. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm in a season of my life where I would just break out in. I, I just sometimes just want to pray or study the Bible or whatever that looks like. And I don't need friends and people around me that make me feel crazy for that. I don't need people who around me when I say, hey, man, listen, I'm just going through some things. Can you pray for me? Pray. What you want to do that for? Yeah, no, you're not going to make me feel like a fanatic, like that's something wrong with wanting to pray or even, hey, man, I saw this scripture. I was just reading and I want to I just what what'd you think about this? This is what it said to me. But what you think about it? man? I don't read no Bible. I don't want to know. See, because evidently we're not we're not speaking the same language. And so I need people around me. You don't have to preach it. You don't have to exegete it. You don't have to give three points, but there should be some time. There should be people where you can say, hey, let's study. And they'd be like, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. And so David and Jonathan had that type of friendship. So let's move on. Let's move on. Now, if you want all of this that I'm saying is in first Samuel. Okay, all this whole story is in first Samuel. So I just want to challenge y'all to go and read it. It's some really good stuff. So as we move on, we keep, you know, we're still reading. Saul's army ends up going to war with the Philistines and they uh, end up getting killed. Jonathan, his siblings and Saul. Right. 
And so now David is king. And now we get over to second Samuel chapter nine. And David is like, is there anybody in Saul's family left so that I can show kindness to them? Because he remembers. He remembers what the relationship, what the friendship between him and Jonathan was like. He remembers. And so there was a servant who came back and told David that, yeah, there's somebody left. Jonathan's son is left. His name is uh, Mephibosheth, but he's crippled. And again, here we go. Y'all know I, I said in the beginning, I love to read. I love to read and I like to ask questions. So I went on this search. Like, what do you mean he's crippled? What happened? And I asked the question, how did Mephibosheth end up like this? What do you mean he's crippled? What happened to him? This is where I found myself feeling extremely guilty and convicted by my own history and how I've handled people with issues. And I just want us to do some self eval. I have felt this message here when reading this and the revelation that I got really left me needing and owing some people an apology. Real talk. Because we like to examine people with issues and disabilities, people who are crippled and not the physical being crippled as if there is some type of physical issue. I'm talking about people with addictions, people with habits, people with quirks, people with history. We like to size them up and examine their their issues and we calculate them based off of how they act or what we see. But then we never want to discuss how they got there. Let me give you an example. We all see that one person that is who we think loose in the church. That one person with all the kids and we want to size her up and we want to talk about her and we want to close her in. As if she's not worthy when we don't even ask the question, how did she get to this point? We see the person who's drunk and can't stop drinking and he drinks till he passes out and all of that stuff. But we never ask, how did they get there? We also see what about and see, this is a big one in church. We love to deal with men that are super duper feminine. We even love to high rank homosexuality in the church. Yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. And I'm not saying I've been guilty of it. I have found myself guilty of it. Jumping to a verdict before I get the case, before I hear what happened. I've done it. And we love to manage symptoms without really trying to figure out what's going on. So when we see a feminine person come in church, a man, we love to put them in the men's ministry. We love to put them around the deacons and the elders. When in fact, it was the man that broke them in the first place. It was the man that mishandled them. And that's where I feel like we as a church, we, we kind of drop the ball a lot. 
We do. I feel like we dropped the ball. And so what happened to Mephibosheth? The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that when word got out that his father and his grandfather were killed in battle, Mephibosheth's nurse picked him up and tried to get him out of, out of town, getting him to safety. And as a result, because she was in such a hurry, she dropped him. Wow. Mephibosheth was dropped by somebody who was supposed to protect him. He was dropped by someone who was supposed to cover him. Somebody who was responsible for him. And some of us are crippled in our adulthood because of something that happened because we were dropped in our childhood. And I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm wanting to, I'm, I really want this opportunity to apologize and encourage you. I see you and I understand you. And before we begin to throw the nurse away, because that's what we'll do. We'll read this story and we'll sit around and well, they shouldn't have done that. And she shouldn't have carried them. She shouldn't have tried. She shouldn't have dropped them. And, and, and let's be clear that nurse who was caring for Mephibosheth was trying to get him to safety. And maybe she dropped him because she didn't have the capacity to carry him. We don't know what else she was trying to carry while trying to carry him. And we have to consider maybe she didn't have the strength to carry him. And some of us are crippled. Some of us are bitter. Some of us are angry. When it wasn't that that person who dropped us didn't care. It wasn't that they didn't have a heart. It wasn't that they didn't have a desire to do better. No, they did not have the capacity to do more than they did at that time. It's hard for a parent to give you something they never had. It's hard for that wife and that husband to do things that they never saw anybody else do. You may not be responsible for what happened to you and you're not, but you are definitely responsible for how you heal from it. You're responsible for how you healed from it. And I just want to suggest that yes, Mephibosheth is crippled, but, and I know we've uh, progressed in modern medicine and technology, but I personally think that maybe just maybe if Mephibosheth's issue was addressed, then he might be walking today. If that issue was addressed, then when it happened, he might not have been presented to David as one who was crippled. And that's going to take right now some uh, that's going to take some honesty that's going to take some transparency some some open minded or open heart surgery because if we're being we like to put on this facade that we're good instead of going to see somebody that can help us 
We like to put on a bunch of band-aids when in reality, we're still bleeding. It doesn't stop the cause of bleeding. The woman with the issue of blood, it was never told what she was bleeding from. It just said that she was bleeding. And we have to stop putting on the same issue with different colors. We have to stop doing the same thing and dressing it up and calling us fine, calling us healed. When in fact, we're still just as hurt and angry and childish and we're still uncomfortable about being around people. We still don't like to come around and go around. Y'all, we can really grow from this. And let me be clear. If I'm being 100% honest, there are things I've been married before and there are things I wish I would have addressed before I said I do stuff that I knew I had to address. I wish I would have addressed those things that I found myself wrestling and struggling with. There are things that I wish I would have addressed before I became a preacher. But God doesn't expect perfection. He doesn't want perfection from us. He's the only perfect one. But what happens is I found the the wherewithal and the strength to go to counseling, to find somebody to talk to, to find somebody who uh, can listen and help me heal from the things that I struggle with. That was a thing, y'all. It was the cost of healing. The cost of sacrifice, because I refuse to enter into my marriage now that I will be walking into in about a month with the same issues. I refuse to do that. And a lot of us are like Mephibosheth. We've been uh, our family history has crippled us. And so David asks, is there anybody left? in Saul's family that I can show honor to. And because of Jonathan's kindness and goodness to David, he honored his son. David honored his son in spite of his grandfather trying to kill him. In spite of. So that's the cost of honor. That's the cost of friendship. That's the cost of friendship. So I know today was a little long, but I hope and pray that some of you got something. I definitely did. Um, So this just might be an open conversation between myself and God. And you guys are just listening to it. But I hope something was said. And we're careful about how we handle people because we don't know what happened. We don't know their issues. We don't know their struggle and their journey. They could have the same history as Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth didn't ask to be crippled. He didn't ask, hey, can you drop me? And so we got to be careful because we don't know their story. We're all growing together, right? That's growing pains. So guys, I have enjoyed this time with you all. And if you would like, share, and subscribe to Growing Pains, send me a request on Facebook, J-U-I-L-I-A-N Edwards. Um, or like, go find me on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I would really love to connect with you. So this has been another episode of Growing Pains. I hope you guys have a magnificent weekend. Get out and go enjoy 
this absolutely wonderful weekend that is planned for us. I love you all. Be blessed. And we will get together again next week.